The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Good morning. Welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour on AM870 The Answer. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for being with me. TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions. We're happy that you've joined us and become part of our, our family. A lot of you are joining us for the first time. We thank you for taking a moment. We're going we're gonna to get into things a little bit different than maybe your traditional financial show. There won't be any graphs or charts. There won't be any percentages in the, in the sense of you uh, having to keep a calculator close by. I'm going to try to keep it simple, easy to understand. That's my goal, to make it so that you understand the financial world that you and your family have been a part of forever, right? I mean, you understand that it, back in the day, uh, bartering is not the system that we use today. But what was it? Maybe a hundred and I don't know, hundred and twenty years ago, it was probably the primary way that most people lived. A, a good example, right? It, it, if I was a chicken farmer and you were a shoe uh, maker, and I needed shoes for my family, family of five, I would say, "Hey, how many chickens for shoes for my family?" And you would say, "Well, Eric, you know your chickens." are small, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to need 25 chickens. And we would negotiate. Or you, I would say, hey, listen, you're a new shoemaker, and my chickens are the best in the area, best west of the Mississippi. They're plump, they're strong, they're, they're healthy. Uh, I'll give you 15 chickens, but I'm going to need two pairs of shoes for each one of my family members because you're a new shoemaker, you're untested, and that is how value was dictated. Right? You would mow my hair, I'd cut your lawn. I mean, whatever it would be, right? Uh, this, this whole thing, uh, or I'd say, mow your, cut, cut my hair, I'd mow your lawn. I'm, it's early. You understand that the system was set up for babysitting and, and washing cars. I mean, I get it. So the better you were at doing something, the better you were at a task, the more you could command in return. Well, about 120 years ago or so, Bartering was basically made illegal. Now you say, well, what does that mean? I can't do that anymore? Well, here, I'll tell you how, why it works. You can't tax it. There isn't any income tax on services. Now, there's a special form. that You're actually supposed to fill it out, uh, but I don't think anybody does. You know, bartering and exchange, and when you file your taxes, you got to include this form. I mean, there are parts and pieces to that. But where, where it kicks into the next level is this. When you were sitting down, and you are now paid with dollars. Uh, I mean, look at certain fast food restaurants, right? I, I won't use names, but they have hamburgers. That's their thing. Billions of sold. That's their idea is to sell a lot of hamburgers. What is their purpose? It's to buy real estate. Probably one of the top five owners of real estate in the country, maybe the world, right? You understand that. Their job is not to make the best hamburger. Maybe they, that's a goal of theirs, but it isn't number one. And then you have other hamburger chains, fresh, never frozen, 
We only do six items on the menu, period. That's it. There's no breakfast. There's no chicken. Just hamburgers. So when you ask yourself, do I want the best quality? Now, some of you hate this. I mean, I get it. Some of you are not a fan. But if you understand one focuses on uh, slow and steady wins the rates, race, quality versus quantity. And another one says, we're in the real estate business. We're in the franchise selling business. Now, what's the difference between the two? They both make hamburgers. It's how one manages the money that they're paid, and not just today, but going back 75 years. Right? How one manages the money in which you're paid has made the playing field level for everybody. No longer how good you are at what you do dictates your wealth because you could exchange for other services and products. Today, it's money. So, for example, if you are a PhD and a professor and have all of these degrees, but you mismanage your money, you're broke. If you're a high school dropout, college dropout, and you start a software company or a computer company, then your name is Steve Jobs. I mean, you understand you can do anything you want. It used to be education mattered to your wealth because it dictated the level of experience and professionalism and the depth of what, not, not the case anymore. Quality is not measured by the education. Now, listen, I still think you need to have education. Don't get me wrong. I still think it's a part of your system. I still think it's important. But your wealth is not dictated solely by the, the, the way that you complete the product or service. Right? How well you manage the money. So why does that matter today? Because today, when 100 and plus years ago, when the education system was really created by the Vanderbilts and Rockefellers so, so that the workforce could be informed, but informed the way they wanted them to be informed, called public education. So now, here's what you're going to learn. When at the dinner table, wealthy families were often either homeschooled or they had different conversations at the dinner table. Junior was at the, uh, at the family meeting when the, with the family lawyer. You would have the kids would be sitting in business meetings and, and negotiations, whatever the family's practice trade was, whether it's medicine or whether it's law or railroads or oil or coal. It didn't matter. The kids, the younger people, would mentor with their parents. Yes, education was important. They'd send them off to university. But that's where you learn to read, write, arithmetic, learn the classics, of course. You would learn about uh, some history. But the money-making portion of your life was the hands-on with your family. That's often why a father would have a son who did the same business and the same business for his grandson. Right? A blacksmith would be, uh, beget a blacksmith would beget a blacksmith. And it's basically what you were considered you were going to do with your life, which is what? Whatever your father did or your uncle and when all of a sudden that changed, and I say all of a sudden because in the world of thousands of history, years of history, it happened rather quickly, just a, a decade or two. And you say, well, why does that matter? Because when we have clients that come into my office that make thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a month and they're broke, and I don't mean broke like you know they're on the street. I mean, they're living check to check and they can't figure out why you know, the world just keeps getting more expensive and, and they're struggling. And then you have other people that make sixty, seventy, eighty thousand a year. And they say, Arif, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I live wonderfully. 
I take vacations twice a year. I have the car that I would like. I drive and eat where I want to go, do what I want to do, with whom I, I choose. So this is important because that means that it, it really solidifies my, my point, which is money management is the key to everything when it comes to your success with your career. Because you could be a professor at a university. In fact, one of our clients that's interesting is a retired high school uh, teacher. I don't know. I think he has three or four million dollars in cash, half a dozen rental properties. Looks 10 years younger because he's healthy, works out. When I say works out, he walks and, and exercises and is physical, does work around the house. He, he's not somebody who sits still. And he's in his mid 70s. So the point is, most people don't get to the place in their life where they're, they're just going to flip a switch and now they're going to manage money better because their 401k balance is higher or because they've inherited money. The habits that you create at a young age on how you see money and what you do with money, that dictates everything about you. It used to be your habits for education and for learning. Today, it isn't the same. Why? Because that little device on your, on, your, on your hand, and I think we should change it. Someone start working on this. Have this go viral. Change it from a phone. Because a telephone you make calls with. And most of us are doing way less talking on our phone than we are texting or researching or reading the newspaper articles or reading what's happening in our old town or checking the weather and on and on. The phone has replaced a variety of things. That means today you can say, hey, what is the... And you pull up on your phone and there it is. What used to be a library full of books on the walls... If you can remember the show, the, the movie, My Fair Lady, we had three movies we used to watch as a kid when, when my dad had somebody give him a, a, a VCR, an old VCR that looked like a tape cassette thing where you'd put it in and you had the, the buttons that you would push down. We had My Fair Lady, Music Man, and Fiddler on the Roof. We used to memorize those things. That, we didn't have uh, cable, certainly, at that time. And the antenna deal wasn't strong enough. Wherever we were, we were kind of... Live, next to a mountain, we couldn't really get a signal very well. So we had a, three or four stations on TV. The rest were these videos and, of course, playing outside. And so when you look at My Fair Lady and you see the professor who had all of those books and a ladder that you would climb up, I mean, that was brilliant. I thought that that's when you make it, when you have something like that. Or when you take a look and, and you see an attorney who has those bounded books of law codified and especially important because the letters were gilded in gold. And you see that behind the attorneys. Today, eh, it's for show. Why? Because all of it is on a disk or now it's in the cloud. I remember the first time an attorney friend of mine who was a who was a estate uh, planning attorney, he said, hey, Eric, remember all those books that I had in my office? Yeah. And he showed me, hey, take a look. It's on these two disks. Are you kidding? He said, yeah. And instead of me having to try to find it, because remember, back then, maybe today, being an attorney wasn't having to memorize all the laws. Of course, it's impossible. You memorize the important ones, the key ones. The, the landslide victories, the legislative overturns, whatever the big deal was in your industry as an attorney. 
But what really took place was your ability to research the information. So you had to learn how to learn, learn how to research. That's why an attorney was so important and is so important. Today, a lot of that is keyword searches, right? Go to the search box. And then it comes up with the 15 cases that are most commonly linked to that term or whatever it might be. So in other words, what used to take hours for an attorney might take minutes. And that changed a lot when people today on computers can access anything. Now, why is their financial life still in disarray for some? Because it isn't about that anymore, right? When all of a sudden the the world is flat and it isn't, oh, you went to that college or this university. Now, listen, certain jobs, if you want to work in law, maybe for, for government law, maybe Georgetown University, you want to work in certain industries, maybe Stanford or Harvard or Yale. I mean, we get it. But one of our clients was a undergrad at Harvard and earned her master's at Yale. And she teach for, teaches for a local unified school district. Okay, so if you teach for a local school district and you went to night school to get your associate's degree and then your, your um, bachelor's and then your master's in teaching credential from Cal State, uh, are you paid any different? Nope. Paid the same. So $200,000 in student loan debt, if that, were, if that was the case, versus somebody who worked through college at, at pizza restaurants or, or coffee shops. At the end, the career dictates your financial success. So where I'm going with this is I need you to understand that if you don't have a financial understanding and you have money, there is no reason in the world for you to keep it. <laughs> Because bad guys are going to take it. You know, there's a, a recent, I don't, I don't know how recent, I, I just discovered it. It's a CNBC show by uh, uh, A-Rod. And it's about his fall from grace. If you remember, he was the, the top ba- uh, baseball player for the New York Yankees. He was the best, best in the world, so to speak, right? And he got caught, I think it was blood doping or using some sort of performance enhancing something or other. Got in trouble and first denied it. And then ultimately was suspended for, I think, 180 games or somewhere in that neighborhood. And so that is basically a season. You're done for a year. And so he had massive business uh, interests outside. He had all sorts of money that he had made and investments that he had and business interests and financial uh, 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 agreements with organizations, et cetera. But here's what happened. He had to first come to, come to grips that he made a mistake. And, and you need to know that because if these are very wealthy and successful people that have fallen from grace or made mistakes, how much more or so or less can you? Because here's the name of his show, or here's what his show does. He went to Ryan Lochte. Remember him? Millions of dollars. Swimmer. Got in trouble, fell from grace, lost everything, started over. Has to start over. Or somebody like Evander Holyfield. Every single financial business lost. Mike Tyson lost everything. Right, Floyd Mayweather lost financially, had to rebuild. A lot of these people are decent human beings in some cases that got taken by people that they knew. And if they had millions of dollars and they were great at something, they were great shoemakers, whatever their 
and yet they didn't manage the money, it didn't matter how much money they had. It just went away faster. So you need to understand the system. You, you can't be con- convinced, in my opinion, by financial people in Wall Street that run around and tell you, oh, you're in it for the long haul. Oh, don't worry. Everybody loses money sometimes. Oh, 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 just, uh, yeah, that's fine. You know, I know that I, I made a fee. And, oh, yes, look, here's my vacation pictures. I was gone again. And um, you lost money. But, hey, don't worry. It'll come back. You say, excuse me? Oh, yeah, yeah, it'll come back. You say, listen, I treat my birthday and the time that I get car registration as a massive event because I'm old, says the client. Right? If I get to buy another year of car registration, I'm kind of excited. If I get a birthday, hey, that's pretty good. I live from birthday to car registration to Christmas to... So when you're older you, and you're getting closer to retirement and you're through retirement and you're happy to live each and every day and you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s, and then the, the 32-year-old broker comes along and says, hey, you're in it for the long haul. You're like, well, what kind of long haul are we talking about here? Oh, don't worry. Money will come back. Listen, buy low, sell high means something. It doesn't mean buy at the bottom, sell at the top. Ask yourself, have I made a pretty good profit this year? If I have, maybe I'm kind of done for a while. Maybe I'm out of the market. Maybe I should be doing something different. Right? Because if your only hope for retirement is to keep letting the other people take care of you, your pension, Wall Street, Social Security, the government, I think you need to learn a little bit about it. Because otherwise... When something happens, not if, but when, it could impact you. And I think being prepared is better than not being prepared. And I think having some money set aside for safety and security is a better way of living. Because if very wealthy and successful people, you've seen the the basketball player who was Makemba Tumbo or something, right? The big guy, tall, of course, very broke lives amongst his village uh, in, in Africa and is unhappy. Got taken by everybody that came along. There's an undercurrent of people who do nothing but take from celebrities and professional sports people. They are today the journeyman shoemaker. They are today the journeyman uh, the chicken farmers. Their job is to do nothing but one thing really, really well. And oh, by the way, they are paid with money. So if you were good at what you did, and I'm assuming you work as somebody paid you or your spouse and you supported that person, which meant they couldn't do what they did if it wasn't for you. So if you were good at what you did and somebody paid you, then I think you need to manage that properly. I think you need to be in a position to respect that. And so I want to cover what's happening with Social Security as the changes are coming. But I want you to understand a little bit about what's happening with the world and business. You might say, gosh, you know what? I I used to teach history. I don't understand the financial stuff. Or, you know, my job was an administrative assistant for for an oil company. I don't understand. That doesn't matter. Today you will. HR director, doesn't matter. Today you will. Because information is now right in front of you. You no longer have to go away to a company and return. And I think you should have some safe, some protected from the market declines, where you're going to earn reasonable rates of return. If any financial professional, I don't care who, tells you they're going to make you rich, 
I need you to ask them three questions. Number one, I'd like to meet your mom and dad. Is that possible? Because you're going to check whether or not they are financially secure. Because if he doesn't love us and care for his mom and dad enough to make them wealthy and successful, maybe he's not the kind of human being morally that you'd want to deal with. Number two is, if you can make me wealthy and successful, how have you done for yourself? You must have whatever the financial well-being that you're saying. And number three, if you can make me wealthy and successful, why are you still doing this? Because I don't think any financial profession, not, that's not how I was trained when I was trained when I got started. It's like, hey, you know, everybody gets 12, 20, 30, 40%. Remember in the 90s, right? 96 is when I started. We were telling people the minimum you can expect on average is 12% return for the market. And we were telling people, hey, don't worry. This 32%, we're going to do better next year. Right? I remember Van Camp and Emerging Growth was a mutual fund that we offered to our clients. I remember it because I had my own Roth IRA there, and it did 113% in 1999. It doesn't even exist anymore because the next few years it collapsed and they had to merge it or whatever they did with it. But those are unrealistic numbers, and you might say, well, I missed the boat on that. Well, I'll tell you what. Even if you did earn 10 or 12% when everybody else was earning 30 or 40 the next with us, right? The next year, the market dropped. With our accounts, you would have lost nothing. The next year in 2001, when the market dropped, you lost nothing. So our job is to protect your principal, to grow it at a reasonable return, never go backwards, and to get reasonable gains. What is reasonable? I think over time, maybe over a 7 to 10 year period of time, you can expect somewhere between 3 to 6%. That's the average. That's probably what you can expect and be a reasonable expectation. Anything more than that, I think you have to take, I don't know, more risk than you wanted. Because a lot of us think we know everything about everything, whether it's politics or whether it's business or whether it's about any industry, today you can know a little bit about a lot of things. It is easy to be the jack of all trades. Easy. Right? A lot of financial people will say, I can do this, risk, I can do safety, bonds and stocks, ETFs and REITs. I, my job is to manage you. We don't sell products, we sell solutions. Baloney. Here's why that matters, guys. Is because if they say they can do everything, then they probably can't do one thing as an expert. I never want anybody who can come in and do my plumbing, fix this, uh, uh, sew my dress, search, you know, for my wife and my shoes, make me shoes and, and clean my floors and, and fix my roof. And Why do you want the same person to do that? You, there's only enough time in the world in a day. I want somebody who's an expert. Right? I want the person who's an expert seamstress. I want the person who's an expert fixing my roof. I share that with you so that you know we are financial professionals. Our job as an, as an expert in asking the questions as to what matters to you, and it's to provide solutions. Look, I, I only, I'm only pushing for one reason, because I'm hearing people talk. They come to me. They said, Eric, if I went to this other person, and all he wants to do is he needs all of my assets, and he's going to do these six different types of products. So go, each of those have nothing to do with each other. Why, why would anybody... Do all of those because what are they good at? They said, oh, they're good at you know, financial planning. And da, da, da. Okay, great. Then what are they great at? Because I'd prefer people that are great at a couple of things 
or one thing than somebody who's good at a lot. Because this is your life savings. And that is a big deal. Because I can't go back and earn this money. And neither can you. The time has passed. So we need to protect it. When we come back, we're going to get into the social security changes for 2020. A uh, little, I, little uh, I guess, caution, right? Some of the changes that are happening we need to know about when we come back. On the Total Financial Hour, hey, give me a call at 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. It works all week long right here on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby. We'll be right back. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. My name is Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Let me give you the phone number again, 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE. Social Security is changing, guys, coming up. Uh, for the good, if you're a recipient or going to be a recipient this year, Understand in the world of Social Security and in any kind of industry, there are waves. There are things that are happening. Here's a good example. When I uh, came on the Los Angeles Police Department in the late 80s, we had a couple of things happening. A lot of folks from the Vietnam era were coming up on their retirement. And so we were going to be losing a massive amount of people. Right? They were going to be retiring. Same thing with the police, uh, with the fire department, paramedics. So that public service realm that often drew directly from the military. Now, I was not in the military, but those many of my my partners and and folks I worked with were in the military. And so as that wave of people that returned from Vietnam, they had not quite guaranteed jobs, but almost with police and fire and and municipalities across the world, across the country. As that occurred, the normal 20, 25, 30-year retirement world started occurring. And the city of Los Angeles knew that that was something that was happening. And so they started a recruitment phase to bring on that that massive amount of people to replace them. And it worked. And so through the mid early nineties, through the mid nineties, and then I was in recruitment back in 1995, 96, as we were bringing in more officers, nearly a thousand a year for many years in a row, which is more than most agencies in the country uh, even have on their job, let alone that they hire. And so we had a 1,000 people a month coming on eight or 10 months out of the year. As that was taking place and we were trying to replace the attrition and, and of course, build up the agency, uh, that was a big deal. And as that movement took place, what is happening today? Well, 30 years have gone by, and those folks are retiring now. And so another wave, except today you have a very tight labor market. In the early 90s, they could basically have their pick. Because a lot of jobs, the economy was slow, people were laying off, it was tough. And so the police department took a few people and said, okay, out of 10 or 12, maybe we'd hire one. Or out of 15 or 16, maybe we'd hire one. Today, it's very tough to find the right candidate because there are a lot of options. Education is not quite free, but almost. Right? People can work and go to school. Companies are hiring. and So it's difficult for public service agencies to hire and recruit from that same pool of people. 
Well, as those folks in my generation are now retiring, now what's happening to the next generation? Well, it's the same thing with Social Security because everybody is affected by Social Security. 10,000 people a day turn 65 years old. 10,000 per day. Now, what used to be 65 years old in 65 seconds, you'd be getting your Social Security check, you'd be retired, start pulling from your retirement accounts, and your life expectancy was about age 68, so that's, that was about it. So as that movement began to happen way back when, we should have been moving 65 up to age 70 by now. Now, it's not popular. Look at what's happening in France. They're trying to move the retirement age from 62 to 64, and everybody's screaming and riots, and they're burning stuff in the streets, and the, the president says, okay, 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 I changed my mind. Right? I mean, it's just massive chaos for two more years. And so we have this slow implementation where as you get a little older, we keep pushing it out six months or a year or so. Today, full retirement age, I think, is it's age 67. You can still get some of your Social Security, a percentage of it, at age 62. We know that. But here's what's happening. When there's 10,000 people a day turning 65, now maybe they're working longer. So they say, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm 65. I'm not going to touch my Social Security until I'm age 70. Okay, so maybe we've pushed a little bit of the economic uh, benefits to everybody just a little longer because those folks are higher earners and they're putting more money into the Social Security system before they start taking money out. But when they start retiring, as very soon, uh, this year and next year, we're going to have 10,000 people a day turn age 70. And since Social Security stops growing as far as the amount that you earn per month, so if you don't touch Social Security and you wait, the amount starts to go up. Every year it goes up about 8%. So when you hit age 70, it stops increasing on that automatic 8%. You just receive whatever the cost of living is. So for many Americans, you say, well, listen, I don't receive anything more or less. If I wait, I'm just going to start my Social Security at age 70. Well, very soon, if not already, we have 10,000 people a day turning age 70. That's the scariest number. Why? Because that's when many people actually stop working. By that age. Some a little earlier, but by that age, we're done, most people. What used to be age 65 has really become age 70. So what's the scary part? Well, are they adding to their 401ks or their retirement accounts? Nope. What are they doing? They're beginning to take money out. So when you have 70 million plus Americans that are withdrawing from their retirement accounts and you have younger generation of, of Americans either not earning enough money or they don't even care about it, they don't trust the market anyway because they saw what happened before. They saw what happened to their parents' financial situation in 2008 or in 2000. So they said, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy experiences. Or they're going to buy onesies, twosies in stocks. Companies that they believe in, that they understand. Tech, for example. They're not going to be purchasing into the market as much. So my prediction is if that's going to take place, then as the 10,000 people a day turn 65 years old, Soon it will be 10,000 a day turning age 70. Now what do you have? I think you have a, a pushing down of the market. It's like driving with your foot on the brake and the gas. 
You have people adding money in, but you have people selling stuff and taking money out because they need the cash to pay for their electric bill. But the social security system that is changing and the big news for you today, really, is the amount that each beneficiary should expect to receive in 2020. It's going to be slightly higher. Listen, uh, during the Obama administration, I think we had one year of an increase and they increased Medicare about the same amount. So it came in the front door and went out the back door. After inflation and taxes, uh, some states might make it a little bit, you know, you'll get a little bit more, a little less. But this matters because the program has become a focus on Capitol Hill finally. But remember, every time somebody says something about Social Security, everybody screams and yells, don't touch my Social Security. We need to fix it. No, yeah, yeah, you fix it. for you, you hurt those people. Take money from them, not from me. Remember the granny off the cliff story? All right, well, hold on to your seats because you're not going to like this information. Social Security Reserves funds are expected to be depleted in 2035, at which time the program will no longer be able to pay out benefits in full. So I don't believe that in 2036 you're not going to receive a check. I just believe it's going to be 50% or 70% of what, it, what you expected. And they might do that a little sooner. But look, we have 15 years left. If we don't make a decision today, if we don't fix it today, we're done. Because as we get closer to that age... People that are counting on Social Security, they're just not going to get the money. They'll get a percentage of it, half, two-thirds, I don't know. Because money will still be coming into the Social Security fund from the workers. But the ones that are receiving it, it just isn't enough. In other words, we've been spending the principal for quite some time. I want to say probably a decade now. And so I think part of the challenges are... You guys need to say and look around just like the grapes of wrath, right? We're willing to tighten our belt a little bit to make, for the betterment of the community, which means the community of people receiving Social Security. Because a lot of young people don't even look at it as something. They believe it's a tax they're never going to see a penny of. They go, well, yeah, I have to pay it, but I'm never going to receive anything. So last October it was announced you're going to get a pay raise of 1.6%. So in other words, the average earning is about $1,479. That's the average right now for retired workers. You're going to go up to $1,503. Somewhere in the neighborhood of $24 a month. Not huge at all. But for many of you, that's the, the price of your you know, cell phone if you don't use it that much. But I want you to think about this. When there's millions, tens of millions of people collecting that per month, right? That's $24 million a month that's coming out of the dollars. It's coming out of the system. Extra. So how do we fix this? Well, they're starting to make some adjustments. The cost of living adjustment that's beneficial to us, but it's a cost for the system. Well, first of all, let's take, take a look. The monthly benefit is also going to rise. That means... At full retirement age, it used to be 2861. That was the most. And then let's say you would go up a little bit each year up until age 70, 8%. So add about 24% to that number. You know, you're looking at an additional 700 would be the maximum you would receive at age 70. Today, you're probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,011 as the maximum. So you're, you're going to actually get a pay raise $150 a month if you wait. Now, wait until age 
70 and you're probably looking at 36 37 3800 a month that's a lot of money guys you could do very very good things in a lot of places with that and as that maximum benefit is going to be paid out for people i think you have to look and see do you want the system to last because every time a politician brings it up arp and the senior lobby really gets excited about it. Listen, I'm not saying, I, I don't know how to fix this, right? That's not my job. I think you need to call people to come and testify in front of Congress who have a plan. And the only thing I can think of is you have to spend less money, you have to earn more money, and you have to tax more money. So pick percentages of each, and the less you take from one, the more you have to take from another. That's the only way it's going to work. Because here's the the big part. If you used to make, in 2019, if your maximum income was 132900 when I say income, that means a, a W-2 or 1099. In other words, it's income from a job that is Social Security taxable. Okay, 132900 Today, in 2020, they're now going to assess you a 7.65% between Social Security and Medicare, they're going to tax you now at $137,000. So the more the wealthier Americans are going to pay a lot more in taxes, and they're not going to see it in their paycheck. They're not going to see it in, in their Social Security check. It just the math doesn't work. Social Security is really designed for the wealthier Americans that earn money to help subsidize the lower income. So in other words, if you were making twelve, fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars a month, or a couple three thousand, four thousand a month when you were working, when you retire, you're going to earn a lot closer to that percentage than if you were making one hundred and fifty thousand a year. The most you're going to make is what I don't know twenty percent of what you made, right? In other words, you made one hundred and fifty thousand a year. Your social security check is going to be thirty five grand. You make 50000 a year, your Social Security check might be 25000 or thirty. So a lot closer to what you're used to living on. So when they say, you know, tax the rich and give to the poor, Social Security has a system that's built on something like that. Right or wrong, it's just the way it is. But if you make more than 137700 there is no Social Security tax on that. So, you make 200,000 a year, you're only paying tax on 137,700. Here's how I would fix it. I would raise the maximum amount to no limit on what people could put in their retirement accounts. Instead of this $25,000 a year maximum, if you're 50 years old, nope. Let me put in 50,000, 100, whatever I want to put in and defer taxes on it. And in exchange, have an unlimited roof for Social Security tax. Because remember, if you're a senior, you're, you, you need Social Security to live on. The, the wealthier, you know, upper middle class says, listen, I, Social Security is going to be such a small part of my retirement income. I want to take care of myself. So give me the ability to put in a lot of money into my own retirement account. So I don't know what the numbers would look like on that, but I'd say, listen, if I can put in 100000 a year in my retirement account at work, and you're going to still tax me on Social Security on, on 250000 Fine, tax me on that. 
Let's go back to the problem. If you're a senior and you plan on living past age 2030 or year 2035, uh, the chances are pretty good we're going to be out of money, guys. And you're going to get a reduction. So you better agree to some sort of change. Somebody's going to have to come in because the closer we get to that date, the greater amount of, of impact we're going to have to have. Right? If you're steering towards a, a cliff, the closer you get to the cliff, the harder you're going to have to make a left turn or a right turn. You're going to have to whip that steering wheel around before you go off of it. But if I have miles ahead, I can gently turn the steering wheel. It's not going to impact you. It's going to be a slight move. You're going to feel it, but not as much as if I made a sharp turn just before going off the cliff. All right. Here's something else that's kind of interesting. Uh, the retirement test, the retirement earnings test that applies to those who are claiming Social Security while they're still working. Because if you're an educator and you had other sources of income, I encourage you to talk to your ta uh, tax professional and your, your financial uh, advisor to say, listen, if I'm an educator, I qualify for Social Security, you might want to start taking it. Because once you receive the pension from the government, you may not receive your Social Security. So you might only get it for the period of time where you have both incomes. Because in one scenario, here's the retirement test that withholds benefits. In other words, they're going to pull back benefits until you reach that full retirement age. Then they give it back to you, right? When people say, oh, but at 18240 a year, that's the new number. If you have earnings above that, they're going to take money from your Social Security check. $1 for every two in excess of 18000 and once you hit $48,000 in income, they're going to take one out of every three. That's kind of a new, new formula. But here's what happens. Once you hit your 65 or 66 age, whatever your full retirement age, once you, once you hit that number, then they give it all back to you. So people think it's gone forever. It isn't. They're, added it, they're adding it back into your income at a later date. If you were born in 1943 through 1954... Your full retirement age is age 66. For those of us born later, I'm born later than that. From 1960 or later, it's 67 years old. So in other words, after, age, uh, after 1954, as you get a little older, they start adding for every month or two months, they add a month or two to the system there. And that really starts to kind of break down in your, in your formula, how much they're pulling from your social security check. So what is a strategy? Number one is I want you to think about this. Consider the Roth IRA, the Roth 401k or the Roth 403b. If you work at a workplace that has a retirement plan, there's usually a Roth component, R-O-T-H. Now, you are only allowed to put your money into that plan. So when you meet with your CPA, you say, hey, what's the difference here? What if I take my 20000 a year that I want to set aside for retirement? Instead of getting the tax break today, I want to, I'll pay taxes today, but I never want to pay tax on the 20000 or the earnings or that 20000 or mo any money ever again in that account. What's the formula? Let's take a look at it. Should I do that? Well, let me explain something to you. Right now, taxes are on sale, period. In 2025, so in five years from now, in 2025, this tax break, the Trump tax break, is set to expire. And when it does, 
here's what's going to happen. You're going to see multiple people scrambling. The politicians, because some are going to say we need to extend it. It's for the people. Let's keep it. It's a big tax break. Some are going to say it's only for the rich. You understand the left gets their power. Whenever anything good happens, they say it's for the rich. Whenever anything bad happens, they say you're hurting the poor. Instead of saying, you know what? Hey, listen, you're right. We're going to hurt the we're going to hurt the rich a little bit on this one. It's not for them. And it's going to help the poor. And instead, they just make up these numbers. Ask yourself, hey, what do you guys call rich? Uh, when you say rich, what does that mean? Or, or when you say poor, what does that mean? And when you say a family living on less than 56000 a year, well, where? Scranton, Pennsylvania, Des Moines, Iowa, La Mirada, California, Anaheim. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Glendale, is that, is that rich? So as we get deeper into this political season and they throw out these numbers, all of you are going to run it by your filter of your personal experience. And they know that. They know that in some places, 60000 a year is pretty darn good income. You can live really nicely when your house payment is $900 a month. They know you can live like a king or a queen in two-thirds, if not more, 80% of the United States of America when you make four grand a month. 4000 a month between his and her Social Security, you don't even need to pull out money from your retirement accounts and you're living large. So don't let them try to trick you with these numbers. Always follow up and say, what do you mean by that? What numbers are you talking about? <clears throat> Who's that impacting? So, so you're not going to fall victim to this. You know, look, $3,000 a month in Social Security, and the spouse receives another 1500 or so. So together, it's about $4,500 a month. Well, number one, you're not going to pay any federal income tax. Number two is, you're going to li- if you live in a Nevada or, or a Washington State or Florida or Texas or Tennessee, where people are flocking, Wyoming, what, what are people going to do? 4500 no federal income tax, no state income tax. You just received $4,500 cash money in your pocket each and every month. That's before you pull out two, three, four, five, however many thousands a month from your retirement accounts. Can you afford for your retirement accounts to drop or cut in half? You wouldn't because you wouldn't want your paycheck to cut in half. Look, when your food, shelter, clothing comes from your job, then you don't want your paycheck to go up and down 20%, 2%, 6% every month. But when your food, shelter, clothing comes from, at least partially, from your retirement accounts, from your IRAs, your 401ks, your old 403bs as an educator, what, do they ha- what happens to that money? Right, you're, you're leaving it on red. You're gambling with it. It can go up. It can go down. You can make big money. You could lose big money. So what we're saying is as you get closer to retirement or you are in retirement, and the market is at all-time highs or near all-time highs, maybe, just maybe, it's time to take some money off the table. right? Remember the story, buy low, sell high. Market's at all-time highs. How many of you, getting, uh, of you are getting calls from your brokers from Wall Street? Hey, hey, you should probably be selling. right? At your age, what you need, you've made it. You've made it. You don't need any more money. If you have this money and you spend it, even if you spend what you're earning, for the rest of your life, you're never going to run out of money. Are they saying that to you? 
Are they saying, hey, keep it at risk in the market because that's the only way that, that, that we get paid, says the, says the broker. Right? For them to make a living, your money has to be at risk of loss. You can ask just a couple of questions. One of them is that. It's very simple. It's a yes or no. In order for you to make a living, does my money have to be at risk of losing? In other words, if I'm in the money market account and safe, I'm not going to earn a whole lot of interest, I get it. Can you still charge a fee? Well, you know, the square root and the beta of the diversification. Listen, listen, back up, back up. Just answer yes or no. Second question is, what's my total cost to own this? Right? I, I don't, I don't want to know this fee or that management cost or percentage of this. No, no, no. Don't use dollars mixed with percentages because that's what they'll do. They'll try to, try to trick you a little bit. Dollars and percentages and it's coming and it's going. Say, no, no, no. Listen, I just want to know. How much did I put in? How much did I make? What do I have now, right? Let's do the math. If it took me six years or two years or 20 years, I don't know. How much did I put in? How much did I make? And what did it cost me to get there? Not per year, because I didn't tell you what I made per year. I want to know what it costs when you add up all of the years, because you're adding up all of the years of my gains, add up all of the years of my cost. So what did I put in? What do I have now? And what's my cost? If you are happy with that, man, I am happy with it. If you aren't, then you give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. My name is Arif Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. Trying to look out for you. Give us a call on AM, at AM870, The Answer. That's our, uh, I don't know. Look, we've been doing this now for a long time, 16 years on the radio. If I can help you, it's my pleasure. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. I'm Arif Hallaby. Have a great day. Thanks to Arif Hallaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do.